our eyes that we can behold wonderful things from your word. Lord, as we look to your word for lessons from the wise men. Father, I just pray everything in the precious and the most holy name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. The the wise men were a special group of men, just like the shepherds in the story were a special group. And they had been on a journey since this miraculous star had appeared in the sky. So the first lesson that we can learn from the wise men is God meets you where you are. The amazing thing about our wonderful, loving God is he meets us where we are. We don't have to become something different to come into his presence. We don't have to become something different to be loved by him. He loves us just the way we are, and he seeks after the lost. He seeks after those who do not know him, and he goes to them where they are. In today's world, God goes and meets people where they are. Each of us were on a journey in life as sinners lost. But when God sought after us, he came to where we were. He used our situations and our circumstances to bring us to him. So what do we learn about the Magi? Verses 1 and 2 says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Now some myths that we need to dispel and some things that we need to understand. Magi were not kings. Sometimes when song we just sung, we three kings, they were wise men of their day. They were astrologers. They would study the stars. They knew each and every constellation that was out there. They had maps of them all platted out. And one day, these wise men are looking in the star, into the sky, They see a star. You see, God met the wise men where they were. They were astrologers. He said, basically, here is a sign for you, wise men. You know something is different. You see, when Christ enters, things change. Things become different. They become new. All of a sudden, there is a new star in the sky. Some people will tell you it was a combination of Mars and Saturn coming together. Some say it was a a comet that was shooting. And they can come up with all of these stories of what it might have been. And while we don't know for sure, I can almost guarantee you this star was a special star. It was a star that God himself put there. Now, this is just me. This isn't proven anywhere. But I would say it couldn't be a comet because what happens? A comet moves across the sky. It's here for a day or two or three. It's gone. Two stars come together and they're in the sky. If it's Saturn and Mars or Jupiter or Pluto, they'll make a star at night. But the star stayed in the same place. For well over a year. 
So you can't tell me that it was just a natural occurrence of what happened. I believe this star was a miracle. When God works outside of the realm of normal science, it is a miracle. And for a star to stay in the same place because his star stayed over where the child was when he was in the manger, and then it moved to where he was when he was in the home these years later that the wise men came. You see, these wise men come from the east, and it's believed, something I didn't know until uh, reading for this, is that these wise men were most likely Jews who had been sent out in the dispersion. And then they had begun to study astrology, and they had made a home where they were. So they knew about this coming king. They had been taught all their life about a Messiah coming to save his people. Now, they're thinking a king, a ruler over a planet, or I mean over that area, like we know King Herod was, but they are mistaken. Because when our Jesus came, he came to be more than an earthly ruler. He came to be the ruler of the entire world the ruler of your life and the ruler of my life. And he met these magi exactly where they were. Being astrologers, they would have known that this was the star that had been prophesied about throughout all of the Old Testament. We touched on this just a little bit Friday night, but also I want us to just move back in time just a little bit to the night that Christ was born. And that star was over that manger. But when he was born, who were the first ones that were told about the birth of Christ? The shepherds. You know, these were not just any shepherds that received this news. These were a specially trained group of shepherds known as the Levitical shepherds. What were the Levitical shepherds? They had one job. As a shepherd, they were overseeing, caring, and protecting for the sheep or the lamb that is to be used in the sacrifice in Jerusalem. Now, Bethlehem is about some six miles south of Jerusalem, King David's town, And out in this field are these shepherds. Let me tell you something else I've learned I found very interesting. These shepherds, when a baby sheep was born, what are the qualifications for a sacrificial lamb? He must be what? Perfect, unblemished, undamaged. When it was time for the mother lamb to give birth to the sheep, the shepherds would take the lamb up to a special cave in Bethlehem that was designed specifically for birthing lambs for sacrificial sacrifice. These lamb, these caves were kept sterile and much as they could in those days. And like we always see, we had our our lovely little manger scene out here. We know from study and from history, Jesus was not born in a wooden stable. 
he was most likely born in a cave. You begin to see how the story's coming together. God met the shepherds where they were. God told them in the account of Luke that the babe would what? Be found wrapped in cloth, lying in a manger. Story we've always heard. But for a Levitical priest, that was a very special sign because you see when they would take the mother lamb into the cave to have the lamb for sacrifice, they would be ready with some strips of cloth. And as soon as this lamb was born, they would take this cloth and wrap around it because the lamb couldn't be blemished. The lamb couldn't be hurt. So they would wrap it in cloth and they would lie it in a manger for protection. That lamb was born for the purpose of being a sacrifice in temple. Jesus Christ was born wrapped in cloth in a cave, lying in a manger. Some speculate, now we don't know for sure on this, that that could have been the very same cave because the wise men knew, excuse me, the shepherds knew where to go. Said, you're going to find a babe wrapped in there. Jesus wrapped in cloth, laid in a manger, destined to be a sacrifice. Wow, how the story comes together. How Jesus meets people right where they are. He met the Magi through the star. They knew what that was. He met the shepherds through the, the manger, something we hear all the time. And probably if most of you, like me, didn't understand the full magnitude of what that was, but Scripture told them, you'll find a sign. They knew exactly what it is. And I can't help but believe in my heart that if God is going to meet the magi where they are, and he met the shepherds, where they were, that he doesn't do the same for you and I. He met us where we were. He offered us this gift of salvation. And do you know, even still today, God meets us where we are? Have you ever received bad news? Maybe a diagnosis, maybe a, a loss of a job, maybe the news of a death in the family. But there was something different about us than the rest of the world because God at that moment, as believers, he met us right where we are. God meets you right where you are. Also, what we can learn from the wise man is not everyone is excited as you are. Look at verses 3 and 4. It says, When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him, gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. The greatest news on earth that the Messiah had been born. 
the king of the Jews had been born. The Magi were excited. While they were possibly Jews, making their way on this journey, they've left everything and they have begun traveling to come and to find this king. They're excited about the news. Now, they might not understand the magnitude of what this birth means. They might not understand who this king of the Jews really is, but they were excited. They loaded up and they made their way. Let me ask you a question and don't answer this question out loud, please. How many magi were there? How many of you would probably, if we're truthful, would say three? What we've always been brought up, there were three wise men in every manger scene you see. You go to the store and you buy a manger scene, you're going to find three wise men. We do not know how many there were. Most likely, there was a whole caravan of them. Well, Pastor, why have we always been taught that there were three magi? Do you know why? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We're told of three gifts that were given. Most likely, there was this whole group, this caravan of, of wise men and probably their camels and all their entourage. They're making their way through town. And all of a sudden, what better place? Now, we see the star and we're traveling. What better place than the king of the Jews and to be born in Jerusalem? Where the temple's at. So these excited men enter in town and, and they decide that they're going to go and they're going to begin to look and to ask for where is this king? They want to celebrate just like we do at Christmas. But King Herod, he wasn't so excited. You see, King Herod falls into the category of several people here on earth. King Herod was concerned about one thing. You know what that was? Himself. I'm king. Oh, wait, wait. A king born? Well, uh, you need to tell me when this happened. I mean, what a sly little king he was. We're going to look at it in a little bit where he said, you know, go and you go and find out where he is and then come back and tell me why. So I can go worship him. Baloney. A king is not interested in worshiping another king. So King Herod, as the king in this area, we know him sometimes as Herod the Great, he was not very excited. But what I find very interesting is Jerusalem being where the temple is, God's chosen people, the Jews live there. And what do we see? But it says, that the king was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. All the temple goers, all the other Jews, all the people that's been taught all their life that a Savior is coming, a Messiah, one is coming for you. Now, all of a sudden, even those who have been taught that, those who go to worship at temple, they're troubled. I mean, why would you be troubled? Here's the answer to what you've been praying for, people. 
But you see, not everyone is excited as you are about the news of the Savior. The king of the Jews, even the Jews. But look there at verse 4. It says that the, he gathered together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people. So even the chief priest of the temple was not excited about this. The scribes, those who would write it all out, they weren't excited about it. The people who bring their lambs and sacrifice them, they wasn't excited about it. Those who were not Jews were not excited about it. Have you ever been in life and you feel like you're the only one that's excited? I mean, the greatest news on earth, the birth of Jesus, the one to come and to save us. Do you know oftentimes there are those sitting in church every Sunday that are not excited about the good news. I heard the story one time of a pastor who went to a church, and after he had been there a while, uh, they started to have an increase of lost people coming to Christ, walking the aisle, receiving Christ, and week after week, after a week, they were baptizing people. I mean, an explosion of what we would say was probably the greatest revival that little church ever had. But do you know some of the deacons, you know, those wonderful deacons, I am so blessed. Now, let me just say, I'm so blessed with the deacons that we have here are amazing men. And we've got some men that are sitting out here today that we've been talking to. And because of COVID, we've had a lot of hold that we're going to bring in that fit right with where our deacons are. But this deacons in this church approached the pastor and said, Pastor, we need to have a meeting. So the pastor agreed. They got together. And they said, let me tell you something, Pastor. You got to change what you're doing said, we cannot keep filling the baptistry up with water. It's costing us too much money. You see, not everyone is excited about the good news. Have you ever noticed, though, a true new convert, how excited they are, and they want to go out and they want to tell others what's happened to them, the weight that's been lifted off of their shoulders, the, the freedom that they have received in Christ, what Christ has done for them, how they used to be this way and now they're this way. But do you notice after a while that begins to dim down? Unfortunately, not everyone is excited as you are. And the third thing I want us to look at as a lesson from the wise man is do not stop seeking God until you find him. You know, God is always there, but sometimes for us, we have to take a journey. Let's look there at Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. And when you have found him, report to me so that I too may come and worship him. After hearing the king, they went their way, and the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. After coming into the house, 
they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him there. Then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. Do not stop seeking God until you find him. These Magi have traveled who knows how far. They've left everything behind for one purpose, and that's a journey to go and to find the birth and this child. And the first place they went, they went to Jerusalem where the temple was, and they went to the existing king, and they began inquiring, where was this child? King wasn't happy. He checked with his people to find out where, and then he comes back and he tells them. But, you know, they didn't just stop. You know, many of us will have something that we need to do and we'll go and we'll try to find it. And when it's not there, well, yeah, this is the one I've heard and maybe I've even said it in my time. I go to the first place. It just wasn't meant to be. God didn't want it to happen. So I turn around and I go home. But these wise men didn't. They went to the place they thought the king of kings would be born. It wasn't there. It was Bethlehem. So then they left from there and they traveling even though it was not where they originally thought they kept traveling and they kept seeking and then something we learn from this that many of us might, might not like take a look at verse 16 it says then when herod saw that he had been tricked by the magi he became very enraged and sent and slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in its vicinity from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the Magi. So very possibly these Magi have been traveling from a year to two years from the time they've solved the star. Do you keep searching even as believers, you know, Christ comes and he dwells in us. We receive that greatest gift that we celebrate this time of year. But there's times in our life that we seem to be searching for him or he's wanting us to do something. And as we're searching, how long before you quit? When you're praying to God for something, how long is it? Is it a day? Is it one prayer? Is it a week? A month? You know, maybe after a month, it's just not meant to be. These wise men, we're just going to say two years. They kept going. I'm sure they had obstacles. If they're traveling this amount of time, they're going through the different seasons, and there's times there that it gets very cold. It's times there that it's very hot. They travel through desert. They travel through storms. They let nothing get in the way. They kept seeking and seeking until they found him. And it tells us there that when they found him, they fell to the ground and worshiped him and opened their treasures, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. 
when we seek after God and we finally find what we're looking for, do we fall to the ground? You see, why did these men fall to the ground and worship? They knew that they were in the presence of someone special. We know today they were in the presence of the most special person. We know that. Do we keep seeking and searching until we found everything? Do we keep just moving after and going for God? What do we do when we finally find him? You see, there's lessons that we can learn from the wise men. And these lessons, as I've mentioned to you, that, you know, God meets you where you are. And just be prepared. You see, not everyone is excited as you are. And remember, please, don't stop seeking God until you find him. You see, we're in a unique place. I believe a unique place, the life of our church. What we've gone through as horrible as the last few years have been, I think we could all agree with that word. What has happened through covid us not meeting, a separation, the distancing. I believe it's put us all in a special place. And many might say, I'm waiting for it to go back to the way it was. It's never going to be the way it was. And you know, in a way, that kind of excites me because that means we have an opportunity for something better. And I believe that we are seeking May we seek him. You see this new year's coming up. We're going to have a revival, and I've called it the New Year Reset. This revival is geared toward believers. It's for us to reset. A word for next year, reset. You're going to be hearing about that all year. It's what I want us to focus on. It's time for us to reset and to move forward. But we've got to understand and we've got to keep seeking him, but knowing that God's going to meet us where we are and that we're going to have to push through the obstacles because the world, church, is not as excited as we are. And I pray that this new year, our excitement will grow as we experience God in a mighty, mighty way. I'm looking forward to the new year. You see, we've anticipated the birth of Christ. We've started the celebration. He is here, and he's available for everyone. And he must be in your life for excitement and for the journey to continue. May you bow your heads this morning. Just a moment, I'm going to open these altars up. Some people wonder why pastors always talk about the gospel and evangelism in a church Sunday after Sunday. You know, the only person in this room who knows about your salvation is you and God. I have an idea. 
But you know, it's also been stated that there are some in a church that although they are members on a roll and they're there every Sunday, there's a possibility always that there's someone that has never come to a true point of repentance, understanding that Christ was born, he was wrapped in those clothes and laid in a manger to protect him and to be as a sign because he's to be holy, he's to be perfect, he lived a perfect life, he was unblemished. And not very long into his life, he went to the cross. He went to be the sacrifice for your sins and for my sin. He went into the grave three days later, victoriously defeated death, rose from the grave and ascended to heaven, and he's coming back. That's great news, but it's only good news to those who hear it. Have you ever turned your life over, not just for forgiveness of sin, not just to get a ticket out of hell, but have you turned your life over as Lord and Savior? That means he's the one you follow. He's the one that you answer to. I'm going to encourage you, if you've not done that in just a moment, come down to the front, please. Let me pray with you. Let me talk with you. Maybe as we draw today as the last Sunday of 2021, maybe you've been on this journey and God's meeting you today right where you are. You say, you know, Pastor, I just, I just want to pray in a special way. There's, these altars are nothing more than just a place that we come to, but they represent to us something special. They represent going to the altar of God. Do you need to come to the altar this morning and just pray? Maybe you want to come and praise the Lord. Maybe you just need to come and speak to him in that quietness, in that still place. Would you follow him this morning? Would you obey? What is he speaking this morning? Father God, we thank you, Lord, so much for your love. Father, this morning we're in your presence. Lord, we've celebrated you through singing. Father, through giving of offerings. Father, through your word. Now, Father, would you help us to celebrate and to worship you through responding to you. The altars are open this morning to you need to come and pray you want me to pray with you you need me to speak to you let's just for the next few moments still got some time not going to miss lunch i promise you let's be serious with the lord this morning the altars are open
Father God, we are thankful, Lord, that you give us the privilege of worshiping you. Father, may we take these lessons that we see in your word from these wise men. Father, may we apply them to our life today. And Father, may we continue through this journey of seeking you until the day you return to take us home and to be with you forever. Father God, thank you for this year. Father, thank you for your wonderful people. And Father, the many miracles and the works that we've seen from you. And Father God, I just say praise you. Praise you, Father. Thank you. Hallelujah. Father, I pray now as we conclude out this Sunday, the last Sunday of this year, that, Father, that you would just make your face to shine upon your people. Father, you would allow your glory to flow through us. That, Father, you would turn to us and allow us to experience you. Father God, I just pray everything in the precious, the most holy name, of your son, Jesus. Amen.